Oh, yeah, man. You're not going to hear another tenor like that in rock and roll. That is the great Peter Cetera from Chicago back in like something like 1973 at their home-built studio in Chicago. I'm your host, DJ <laughs> Will. Will is giving me the finger. I'm your host, DJ Sam Marco. It's MMA, BJJ, and life along with my finger-wagging co-host who's doing the Dikembe Mutombo. Doctor. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You play a Peter Cetera song, and it's not the song, it's not the one from Karate Kid. What is this show called? <sighs> MMA, BJJ, and life. Let me get my microphone a little closer so I can I can reprimand DJ for playing a, non, a Peter Cetera song that didn't come from Karate Kid. What the heck okay. is that? DJ? Okay, I'd like to get a rating from my other co-host, Mr. Jiu-Jitsu himself, the heavy metal bass player, like like Peter Cetera, also a bass player, Nicholas Cazono. Nick, was that fight funky? Fight for my honor, Nick. <laughs> fight for my honor. You're the man that will fight for my honor. Nick, was I, that I funky? I don't even know. I'm not familiar with the, the Karate Kid song. Okay. Okay, let me just come, let me just come back with a little. Okay. I'm, not a, I'm, too, okay. I'm too young. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm being joined by Dr. Will Wu. Of uh, Cal State Long Beach, uh, Willie Vanilli, as we might call him, Nick Cazono, and I just want to play a little bit more. I want you to listen to this voice, and to, and then tell me, DJ, there's something wrong with you, or DJ, there's not something wrong with you. Peter Cetera. Okay, now that is playing bass. That's live in the studio. That's not pieced together. That's they're playing it live in the studio. Nick, talk to me, brother. He sings and and plays bass. Yes, he sings and plays bass. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's talented. And listen to his voice, man. (laughs) His His, voice is great. That is ridiculous, man. All right, just saying that. Usually, I will say if someone sucks or not. Uh, Yeah, when when they lost him in the band. They said, uh, you're not going to find another guy. And they haven't – it's been probably 30 years and they haven't found another singer like like Peter. But uh, I'm not going to uh, kill the show with Chicago Talk because there is actually a lot of meat on the bone there. They played at the same venue that Nick played out out in California, the Whiskey A Go-Go. Uh, and then out there in L.A. in the, uh, the home that was rented for them by their management, Terry uh, – Terry Kath's, uh, Kath shot himself, uh, they say by oh, accident, geez. cleaning a gun. Uh, they, they believe he was cleaning a weapon, and with that really went the heartbeat of the band. The guy well, that Jim— that, that so. would that would match up with this, the statistics about gun ownership. <laughs> well, thank you, doc, oh. Dr. Will Wu, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Dr. Wu. Sorry, sorry for using objective data, but um, you I should— <laughs> I love it. Usually that's the case. I love it. Uh, I'm going to right now I'm making a toast, and I, I hopefully Nick will too if he has any kombucha there to Dr. Will Wu. Oh, I already drank my kombucha, but. 
right. I had my glass today already. All right. Welcome back to MMA BJJ Life. Once again, DJ San Marco mm. along with Will Wood, Nick Cazono. And we are here. Tonight is a very special night because um, this is just a monster of an athlete, a young girl who Will and I kind of have seen at least part of her uh, growing up. We've seen her grow up to some degree from probably like a nine-year-old to now she is 14, I think. I think she's a f- going to be a sophomore. Where is she yes. might be a sophomore yes. in high school right now. Okay, so she's okay. So she's 14 or 15, right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Okay, so Carissa Qureshi right now has had a solid year of wrestling training going into her second year. She's actually prepping now for the season. These are preseason tournaments. She went to one in Ohio, lost to the number one seed in the nation, and beat. she won the next six matches. She is now the sixth-ranked 112-pounder in the nation. Insane. Will Wu, you've seen this girl train. Yeah. Well, I just know about my talk to her. I talked to Chris's dad a little bit, and then we'll talk about the girls that she's beating and the girls that she's beating that have a lot more training in the wrestling domain than she does. But I think it's just a, it's not that Carissa hasn't been grappling. She hasn't just, she hasn't been doing wrestling specific grappling. And so it says a lot about her as an athlete. I think it says a lot about her family in terms of the support mechanisms that are there. Um, and I think it says a lot about her background in jiu-jitsu, which um, she's got more years training jiu-jitsu than she does wrestling. And she's already ranked so high um, in the sport. And I think it's a really good it's really good time for her right now because especially with Title IX, you have a lot more opportunities for females. And I don't know, I can't remember, I don't know, wrestling was out of the Olympics for a little while, and which was a travesty. Uh, but I think it, I, last time I heard it was like paperwork issues, like the organization, like whatever the governing body of wrestling in the U.S. got some paperwork issues mixed up or they were late on it or some, some along those lines. But we didn't get any wrestling. Uh, but I think that they're back in the mix for the next Olympics. Am I, can either of you guys confirm Yes, that? yes. And yes, they did. They competed in 2016. They, they haven't missed it. Uh, they didn't miss an Olympics. There was a movement afoot for them to miss the Olympics, but they got a lot of support. And in 2016, uh, I think Helen Maroulis took another gold in Brazil. All right. So, okay. So so, it's of importance because she's got a shot to be on the team. She's in that, she's in that age care. Not, maybe not in this upcoming one, but in the next one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a possibility. I sent you a screenshot there. So you could open it up and see the statistics on girls wrestling in the United States. How many girls are high school wrestling? I think it's going to freak you out. Were you able to open that one? Yeah, I'm going to open that right now. I get a little feedback. Yeah, because I was I was I was wondering about that also because for for females it's fairly obviously not established. As it is for males, so what do we have there? Girls wrestling high school participation numbers. The greatest participation, um, and I believe this is three thousand to six thousand total girls total. No, females. it's twenty-eight thousand. 
I'm just trying to look at the key. Uh, yeah, 28,447 so girls wrestled the, in the U.S. So the last national, year. yeah. So the national total is um, about 28,500. Yeah. And then the where it's most popular in our country, Texas, is Texas California, and California, and you wow. have anywhere between. 3,000 to 6,000 girls participate. So she's in the toughest, she's in the toughest state, one of the two toughest states for wrestling right now. Oh, a lot of competitors. What do you, I, I just want to ask you, what do you think makes her great from what you've seen? You've seen a lot of kids in jiu-jitsu. What do you think that makes Carissa great? The thing that jumped out to me the most was her strength relative to her size. And um, I don't want to say her age group because it actually extended beyond the age group. But she was incredibly strong. But if you look at the kids in general in the family, I think they usually kind of test out a little higher in strength compared to other kids. So they're stronger kids. But that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Um, and the second thing that jumped out to me was her demeanor. She was quiet, and she was like a sponge, and really pleasant personality. And I think it just really opened opened her up to to instruction and to listening to her coaches um, and probably her parents too. And those are the things that jumped out to me the most. And I think what helped out too is she has. And the influence of your siblings is very important. So she has an uh, older brother, I think a year or two. I can't remember how old. Uh, I think he's a that. year or two older. How does yeah, this like sound, a, guys? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that there's still okay? that. When you speak, there's still that feedback coming. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. How's that? No? Um, testing, testing. How's that? No, it's good? getting worse. That's really bad. Okay, better. Better? When you talk, it comes back. All right. Um, uh, it might be, let me just turn off loop back and see if that fixes the problem. So, guys, uh, uh, continue. Uh, you know, actually, let us, because we're going to have Carissa on, and we'll discuss her a little when she gets off of here, because we'll probably only have her for 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes of the match. Uh, we'll talk about that. So let's get, Nick, you have some UFC topics. Would you get us started off there? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's the big win from Glover Tashira over um, uh, Sosato. <laughs> Glover Teixeira over um, Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos. I'm going to say Santos. Yeah. yeah, Tiago Santos. That was a big win for Glover. And there's a lot of talk about potentially him being a sort of title, getting a title shot over essentially Israel Adesanya. I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp of giving Glover Teixeira a title shot just based on the fact that his window, Test. his competitive window is very, uh, is narrowing. So, so I mean, this is this will be a shot at at, at a title. I don't think he's going to get any other shot besides the besides what's going on right now for him. So I, I 
I'm into giving it to him over Israel Adesanya. And Israel Adesanya, I mean, he's going to have plenty of big fights and everything like that. I mean, I I like the idea of having Jan Blakovich versus Glover, like the battle of like the old man type of uh, <laughs> fighter. I, I like it because well, you we don't know. Be realistic, brother. All right, how do I sound now? Is this okay? Oh, you sound great. Okay, way better. Right, the loop. Something would happen with loop back. Uh, because mm. the trial's over, so now I gotta pay for it. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. So they get you. I know. Yeah. But no, I I don't like that fight, Jan versus Glover. I don't know who's gonna win. They both I, have I like great it. power. They both have a good, solid ground game. I mean, Glover probably has a better top game than than um Jan, but Jan 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 has a great submission game. So, I mean, I like I like I think that fight depending. Knowing who's gonna win that fight compared to maybe Izzy, you know, if he gets to fight um, Jan, you know, heavily favored for Izzy potentially, but this one is a little more even in my eyes if it happens, but it probably won't happen. But I mean, there's a lot of people that are divided, at least in MMA Twitter. Willie, did you see how, the fight? What do you want to fun, see, baby? How fun was that fight, man? I think well, it was. I, oh, I loved it. I thought it was. I just. I was watching the fight. And then after the conclusion of the fight, I was thinking about our last show and when we were talking about who we thought would win. And um, regardless of who the winner is or who the winner was, and I say that because I guess wrong, but <laughs> regardless of who the winner was, I think what we described in support of who we thought we would, would win manifested in that fight. We saw, <laughs> right? We saw two what would be knockout blows to maybe another, any other type of fighter. And then you saw Teixeira's ability to absorb those blows. Come back. And use, and use the, I guess, the, uh, the, the outcome of those blows and going to the ground to his advantage. And I will say this. How bad was... Um, you're yeah, going to go Santos back to fight it. strategy again, right? How, well, not. I mean, I don't even think fight strategy helps him in this, but his ground game was not existent. Okay, uh, terrible. I, no, I, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't. Well, here I'll, I'll use one of the modern. Like, I'd like to push back on that. Um, I think that <laughs> we mentioned <laughs> we mentioned earlier in the earlier show. Glover has the best jujitsu top game. At 205 pounds, he is going to pass most people's guards that are MMA fighters that are even that are black belts, which Santos is. So to me, what I'm thinking about is we're going to go back to fight strategy again and again and again. And if you're fighting a Glover Teixeira, I'm thinking I want my guy in a low stance. I'm thinking I want him to throw some punches to keep him at bay. I want him to throw the leg kick, and I want him to back off and move. Tiago Santos is there standing straight up, winging punches, whipping the same kind of punches, and, and Glover was able to duck right in underneath him and get that takedown. And Glover is a very, very good wrestler for a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, and so I'm... I'm very concerned that if I'm coaching, if I'm coaching Tiago Santos, I'm not saying, look, you don't want to go to the ground with this guy. You have to lower your stance. You guys saw Kevin Lee against 
against Gregor, right, uh, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Against Gregor Gillespie. He lowered his stance down. He fired punches. He didn't stand, you know, straight up in the pocket winging punches. I mean, it was very, very poor fight strategy from a guy who should have won that fight against a 46-year-old guy. I don't I mean, think I'm – I don't think – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. I mean, that's how Glover – or that's how uh, Chago Santos fights, though. He just, like – Good point. He throws bombs. He comes forward. And that's why I wasn't really – a huge fan of him prior to him fighting John Jones after the John Jones fight. I was like, Oh, I'm on board. I'm a fan. All his fights before John Jones, he would just blitz guys and just knock their heads off. And so <laughs> you saw more of that with this fight, but Glover just, his head was, his head still stayed on intact. And then he went for a takedown and then did his thing. Once he got on top, it was, uh, it was okay. But uh, all right. So let me just, let me put this in context. Okay. If I get, I just want to make sure I I haven't heard anything back from Riz. I hope that we're gonna be able to get uh, Carissa on tonight. That would be such a bummer. It's gonna be so much fun talking to her. Um, okay. If I have a guy like a uh, Sakai, you know, someone that comes over from Glory, someone that comes over from K One, someone that comes over from Lion Fight. What am I telling that person? Okay, you're going to be fighting MMA now, okay? So we're going to fight MMA. You need to adjust your game. What do they need to do, Nick? I mean, they need to have defensive wrestling, scrambling ability, sprawling. How's it going to change their offensive attack? You saw the guy uh, fight, uh, what was it, maybe a month I mean, ago, that one yeah. Australian. Guys are going to throw less combos from a yeah, yes. Hunter, any kind of boxing, kickboxing yes. background. The thing is... Dos Santos, he's had so much success just blitzing guys and knocking them out with his power that that's what got him to the dance. So when he and he did that against Glover, well, Glover just didn't go the, down. Shouldn't the first round have been an indication of what happens when Glover passes your guard like it's nothing to say, oh, I think I need to do something a little bit different because this guy all of a sudden weren't half guard. And the next thing I know He's slapping the tops of his feet on the mat because he's in mount. Well, the first <laughs> takedown that Glover got, yeah. he went right to the mount. Yeah. I mean, that is not very smart business from my point of view. And scientifically speaking, Will, it's ridiculous. Sorry, what you man. got, Will? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was this fight, but in between the first and second round, I believe Tiago Santos's coach said, don't go to the ground anymore. <laughs> I bet you he did. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Strategically, and it gets back to your pushback. Strategically, the coach told him, don't go to the ground anymore, right? Stay on your feet. And this is, this is primarily, and, and Teixeira is going to be, obviously, like you said, he's, and what we saw, he's awesome on the ground. But in that second round, when Santos hit him and he and Cher stumbled and fell, and then Santos got on top, mm -hmm. I can't recall if he was either if Santos was swept or there was a scramble. Yeah, and then was... there was a reversal. But I saw the top game of Santos. You can't tell me that didn't look like a black belt. Well, he was trying to ground and pan. He was he was trying to get the finish. That's why it didn't look like a black belt. But I mean. He was trying. He he thought he could stop Glover there because he landed some good shots. But man, it's but it just, was just a really poor top game. 
Yeah, his, I mean, I was surprised that he got sort of reversed. I don't know if he got swept or Glover just uh, scrambled to his knees and just, you know, got a leg and got on top. I forgot how he got, but obviously Glover got back on top when he was on bottom and everything. But I, I don't know. I think for 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 uh, Thiago to not even contest, well, he sort of whatever. He didn't really contest the takedown. I think he wanted to rely on his jujitsu to when he was on his back to sort of save him and 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 get him back to his feet or whatever but i mean that that whole thing got shut down i mean he did he was doing i wouldn't say it's hard to say black but black belt level stuff i mean he was doing a lot of the right things to defend against someone who's on top of you i mean his his, his hips were facing glover he was trying to frame he was trying to he did you know get his closed guard back at, a couple times so he was doing some defensive jujitsu sort of maneuvers that someone who trains would be familiar in but yeah he he didn't really i don't know i mean we're, we're playing the percentages here will right so mm. aren't we saying oh wait i just did his thing where i where i suffix my sentence with right we're um and we haven't counted how many you've had. Lately. That's your thing now, DJ. Joe, That's not mine. <laughs> Joe Rogan and Luke Thomas, I think, might have set a record for like a ten minute span with like seventy of them. <laughs> but if you're playing the percentages, what's the most likely way that I could lose this fight if I'm fighting Glover, and if it's if he gets a takedown and gets on top of me? I mean, well, th that's the way you're going to lose it. Yeah, that's how you're going to lose the fight. I mean, yeah. So, so. If you're playing the percentages and you're in Tiago's corner, you have to be. And you said that his coach said that, but Tiago <laughs> also needs to internalize that. Well, he needs to be able to execute the game plan, and yes. that's what I'm saying is, uh, I question his. I question the. I guess you could say the wrestling defense, but I question the more so. I question. It made me think. It's hard for me. Because what I've seen at the academy and where you have guys that are really, really good jiu-jitsu yeah, players, that's... and then you get another next-level Philippe Delamonica type jiu-jitsu player, he make, Philippe makes the other dude look like, well, why, why did he pass guard so easily, right? So mm -hmm. it's hard. Like, having seen that up close, it's hard for me to say that. It's hard for me to say anything, like, super technical about Santos's, his bottom game. But his top game, when you look at people in that division, when they get on the top, it's not reversed so easily just because of the mirrors, the sheer size of them. It's really hard to do. And so that's not even so much technique rather than, I mean, it's a small amount of technique associated with that. Yeah. And so I'm more less about the, the takedown defense and more about his top game and in bottom game and more of the top game. Like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not, I've seen really high level black belt guards get passed by oh. super high level black belts. Right. Oh, totally. You see that a lot in competition. So I'm not going to comment too much about his, his bottom game, but the top game, especially after. I, I Again, I think he thought he stunning. could stop the fight. I think that's why he did that. I don't think he was going to try to submit Glover. That would be stupid. In a way, in a manner. Well, what's of the what's the rush? I I I completely agree with you. He's trying to stop the fight. I think that's what's, what he thought. What's the rush in sacrificing 
position and technique. Well, he's already like halfway knocked out. All right, I, Nick, I think that's I'm gonna the give way you the last. Fights. I'm going to give you the last word on this, and then we're going to move on to what we want to see happen next for this this small grouping. Yeah, I think this that's just the way um, Santos fights. You know, he he usually they go down when he when he hits them, and then they finishes them. And when he can't do that, I mean, he hasn't been there. He hasn't been in there in over a year, well over a year, and it's coming from all these crazy injuries with knees and everything. I mean, he looked good as far as his movement and striking and everything, but. Yeah, I think when Glover didn't go away, and yeah, then he got I think bottom. he thought he was going to go away. I, I think that's what he thought. He's like, "Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna land two, three shots. This guy's gonna be out of here. I'm gonna be raising." And it my looks arms, like that. And I'm going home, and I'm going to get a check. Yeah. So, so did he not watch it, video? Well, I, I you mean, know, Glover was stopped. Uh, who stopped him? Anthony um, Johnson stopped Anthony him. John, yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, Alexander Gustafson stopped Gustafson, him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are maybe a couple other people. I don't know. Yeah, that was a that, surprise when Gustafsson, you know, stopped oh, Gustafsson him, so. just schooled him. I mean, yeah. it was just like. He doesn't geez. have a lot of power, but he has so much volume, and he's hitting you in the face. I mean, you really got to – he lands – the reason that he and Jones didn't work out so well is Jones can take a lot of strikes to the face, and Gustafsson does a lot of work on your face. And <laughs> um, not as much as much body work, so – Anyway, yeah. uh, let me ask uh, – let me start off with Nick, and then we'll go to Will. Nick, tell me what should happen next between Israel Adesanya, who was slated to fight uh, uh, Jan Blakowicz, or Glover after what you saw. Tell me what you think should happen and why, and then tell me what you think the UFC will do. Well, I think give old man Glover his shot. Five-fight win streak, he beat all these – up and up, up and comers, the next, you know, the next face of the division, and Thiago Santos, and yada, yada, you know, all these guys that fought John Jones. He beat, he beat, a good, you know, a good, a good chunk of them at over, you know, at his age of over being 46. over 40, 46. 46. So his yeah. window is closing very, you know, every day. So he deserves a shot, I think, just based on the merit of that. Um, and I do like the sort of, you know, gritty old man type of uh, fighter. Both these guys are in Jan and Thiago. I like that matchup because I, I don't know who's really. I don't know who's going to win. I think it's a very even matchup. Granted, it could be an even matchup against Israel Adesanya, but you know, it's going to be the the bet. The betting odds is obviously going to be more towards Israel Adesanya based on what he's done and what kind of fighter he is. But what Israel will Adesanya, the, what will the UFC do? What are they going to do? They'll probably give it to Izzy just because it's more, it's a money, it's a, there's more money in it and everything. The champ champ. And then it it gets John Jones going too if if he wants to still fight Israel Adesanya and everything. But just, I have a soft spot for some of the old folks in the, in MMA, especially in MMA. Nick loves me. You know, when they win, you know, if they win, it's like, man, I thought, and I have a soft spot when these guys lose too. It's just like, oh gosh. So like well, an Anderson Silva. So the, the, the words coming out of the Jackson camp from Greg Jackson and from White Winkle John sound to me like they don't want to see John fight Izzy. And if they do, they're going to make him come up to heavyweight, which is absolutely absurd. Oh, and then stupid. he won't have any of his quickness and speed left. He'll look like GSP against friggin Bisping. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think their camp wants John to take that fight. Will, what do you think the UFC 
What do you want to happen between Blockowitz, uh, Adesanya, and Glover? And then what do you think the UFC is going to do? I'm in Nick's camp. I want to see uh, the Izzy to share a fight. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. But I don't, I, the UFC is going to go with a fight that makes them the most money. And so I don't know if the money fight is that fight or not. I have no idea. But it would be, that would be fun to see. All I right. think Izzy wins that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what his take, like in terms of him being taken down. I don't know the exact stats for that. But his takedown defense is pretty pretty darn good from the fights that I've seen. And so it'll be a challenge. I'm going to be right now, I'm going to pretend like you, Nick, were at the campground and you guys just went and got out the graham crackers, the marshmallows, the Hershey's chocolate, right? You're walking over to the fire. You got your little baskets made up there. And I just took him through cold water on the fire. Now you can't make your s'mores. Okay. So I'm going to throw. See, we've gone from the dim sum cart to the uh, the campfire. Um, I'm going to throw cold water in this because I want to see Israel fight Jan. And I want to see Israel fight Jones. And I'm being completely selfish. I'm showing no love at all to Glover Teixeira, who I actually really like. Because I interviewed him on the show in like 2013. And you have the same hairstyle. I have the same. Yeah, he, we do share the same hairstyle. He lives in like Danbury, Connecticut or something, which is very close to Westchester County. So um, uh, apparently he owns a restaurant there, which is really weird. I got to Google Glover's restaurant. Well, of, that, of those four, I'm like you. I would rather see. I didn't know in, my, in your question to me that – John Jones was an option. I thought it was just after three, after three. he would be. Su- oh, okay. I think it's successive. I don't think there's any. He said he doesn't want to fight Jones until summer of 2021. So that's over a little over six months from now. Why? I don't know. Israel just has this thing in his head. Just I to maybe no acclimate idea. his. I have no idea. Body weight. Fight weight. Acclimate his body. I mean, I heard he's not going to put on too much sort of weight for 205. He wants to kind of gradually do it he doesn't want to lose his 20 pounds more is not going to stop john jones from taking him down if that's what john really wants to do it's going to be either his technique is so good that he can stop john somehow or tactically draw him into situations where john doesn't go for it but the the weight is not going to stop him from being taken down i assure you that's my point. He's not going to put on the weights to no, try I know. to do that. I, I know. For and Israel Adesanya, he's going to, yeah. he's going to, you know, he's going to mitigate his. He's going to kind of work with his weight to still maintain all his skills he had at 185. He's not going to blow up to whatever 230 yeah. if he can, and then try to cut, you know, whatever 25 pounds, and then you know, and then see what he could do with that. You know, all that, I mean, yeah, he doesn't want to be a, basically a GSP at 185 where it's like, all right, this guy's kind of lumbering around and doesn't have this, like, sort of explosiveness that he did at 170, so. Oh, there are guys, I mean, there are people that think that it's really all about the weight, and I recall this weekend listening to, once again, I listen to Josh Thompson and uh, John McCarthy's podcast a lot. I really, even if I disagree sometimes, which I think is totally fine, I think they have 
a great podcast and some interesting points. And they were talking about two guys in Bellator. One of them is sort of like a Russian guy from the Khabib mold. I don't know if he's a Dagestani. And another American guy. And they are saying at ATT that he out-wrestles. He's like 155. He's out-wrestling people up to 185 and 205. And then you've seen Khabib wrestle with Cormier. I mean, it, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of technique in there. And if Israel hasn't really grounded himself in the techniques and how he wants to approach this, if John decides that he's going to drag Ed Ruth back to New Mexico and just train for wrestling, wrestling, then Izzy has no chance, no matter what weight he decides to get to. I, I'm Literally, I mean that. And then here's the thing is that if he's able, if Izzy is able to keep it stand stood up or a stand-up game, it's not like John Jones is easy yeah <laughs> it's an easy pushover <laughs> in striking <laughs> no he's not pick he's your not. poison pick your poison he's not i agree i agree uh john you know and and for the guy the guys that walk forward i mean luckily israel is a totally different type a lot of the guys that john has feasted on have been guys that walk forward as a boxer and the reason that glover was doomed and first of all again i really like glover as a person I would love to see him get the shot as a person. As a fan, I just want to see Izzy fight anyone and every. He's just so amazing. Um, but when you're a walk-forward boxer guy, you know, again, and, and I got to meet the, the time that I met Glover in that hotel room, I also met his coach, John Hackleman, who was uh, Chuck Liddell's coach. Chuck Liddell's and coach, thank, yeah. And thank God he never listened to any of my podcasts where I criticized him because he probably would have killed me in that hotel room i would have never come out alive that was back when the ufc fighters could do ivs and he uh uh hackleman did the iv for honey marks and put stuck in his arm so his walk forward style john jones eats those guys for breakfast like he destroyed rampage's knee he destroyed glover's you know ripped apart glover's knees you know just just throwing that that kick at that thigh, and 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 Glover could not come forward. Glover really needed to have, you know, a wrestling type of a strategy, and it probably there probably is nothing Glover could have done, uh, because John they they knew you can't be on the ground with this guy, but that's how smart Jackson and Winkle John are, you know, they didn't want to see any scenario where Glover was going to get close, and obviously when when they were against the cage, he ripped he ripped. Uh, Glover's shoulder will never be the same. I can assure you of that, uh, having having suffered that myself. Um, so anyway, he, he he feasted on John. But somebody like Blockowitz is a very, very good matchup for Glover. And if he gets a takedown, although I know Jan has good jiu-jitsu, he's tapped some guys in the UFC, I don't think that, that he'll be able to bring that to bear against Glover. So, all right. Let's move on to something else. We've we've izzied and glovered ourselves. We have uh, Claudia Gadelia. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, uh, Nick? Yeah, we could talk about that. Okay. You have a uh, pretty good insight onto her and everything. So I I talked to Coach. You want to share that? Yeah, I mean, as, essentially, uh, did you see the fight, Will? No. Okay, she gassed. did. She lose? She yeah, she gassed in like the second round. That would have been my guess. She she would lose. Yeah. Well, she did very well uh, against uh, in the first round. She took Xiao Nan down. She won the first round for sure. 
she had probably at least two and a half minutes or more of ground control time. Uh, I would say more in that round. And then she was she was already gassed by uh, the second round. Um, all I could tell you, you know, about Claudia is she's obviously she was an outstanding fighter. Um, Josh Thompson also had some very interesting observations. She used to train at ATT. And he said that he believes that Claudia needs to drop down muscle and to go to a more of a cardio-based strength and conditioning program. He feels that she's trying to carry too much muscle and too small a frame, and she's gassing out. So now, I wish we had a sports scientist here that might be able to speak to that. Oh, Will! <laughs> why why yeah, is I she gassing? I, I, didn't, I didn't see her body type. And she... Man, the uh, previous fights. Who's who's the the previous fight that or the last fight that I saw that I was super impressed, and it she didn't she didn't have a cardio problem at all. But uh, was it the Andrade fight? Oh no, that one she yeah, that one she got in in uh, she got herself in big big trouble with with that fight. Uh, she was getting basically yeah. obliterated. Yes, but she it was that was not a cardio issue. In that fight, that was a let's say an special ice cream issue that was going Ouch. on <laughs> with, oh. with her other fight. Oh. And so, I uh, cardio from the fights that I've seen of um, of hers, it, it, cardio wouldn't be the first thing that came to mind. But like I said, I didn't see this fight, um, so I can I can comment on that. But I'm just it hadn't add. been an issue in the previous fights. Uh, we have well, Carissa. Just, we have Carissa on. Should I admit we do? her? Or should I keep her in the waiting? Okay. Room? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, hold on a second. Let me get. Let me find out. Want to go to commercial break? Um, yeah. Let's take a quick break on MMA, BJJ, and life. people welcome back to mma bjj and life i'm your host dj san marco along with dr will Wu, my man nick Cazono, and the legend really put your hands together for carissa koreshi the predator <laughs> <laughs> what's up carissa hi <laughs> Have you ever been introed like that other than me? No. Nope. No? I know. I could tell how excited you are by it. That's awesome. <laughs> Whenever you do like the world championships or something, I can maybe just come to center mad and introduce you. Uh, and I'll do it for a very small fee. Like if your father, father buys me an ice cream bar or something. Anyway. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't have a lot of money because he's paying Nick and I so much, Carissa. It's exactly. You know, so the contributions to their 401k. Um, so, so anyway, so uh, say hello. You, you know Dr. Will Wu. Say hello to Nick. That's Nick, my co-host. 
Hi. Hello. <laughs> and Nick is a uh, is a purple belt. He and I trained together in Ohio, and then he trained at Brad's Jiu-Jitsu when uh, we were at Gracie Baja, and you were lighting up the mat over there. So it's an honor to have you on, Carissa. You know, we're Thank pretty pumped, Thank you for man. having me. Hey, girlfriend. Um, so, Will, why don't you start out with the first question, my brother? All right. My first question relates to your transition from your jujitsu journey, your experiences in jujitsu, and all of a sudden, uh, I don't know if it was you, your dad, your brother, say, let's try out this wrestling thing. And you could pull guard, you could take down, I saw in the academy, <laughs> but now in wrestling, uh, you can't pull guard and you can't choke or you can't yeah. tap your opponents. All you can do is take them down and try to pin them. So can you tell me a little bit about what that transition was like? Was it hard for you? Maybe tell us some stories about your first time on the mat and what was that like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely different. Um, I remember the first wrestling camp I went to, I pulled guard by accident. <laughs> But, like, I learned the rules pretty quick, so, like, first few tournaments wasn't too bad, but it was, yeah, it's definitely different. Okay, what's more fun, takedowns and pins or choking and joint locking? I'd say, okay, choking, so jujitsu. Um, <laughs> That's the basic question is which one is more fun for you, jujitsu jiu or wrestling? Come on, man, rank them, Carissa. They're both very different, but jujitsu, I feel like I know more um, like moves than jujitsu, so it makes it more fun. I'm still learning a lot in wrestling, but yeah. I s I'd say jujitsu right now. Jujitsu is oh, more fun. Okay. You get an A you get an A on that exam. Well done, Chris. <laughs> She's a sh <laughs> you, you, you said the answer Will wanted to hear. After all, we gotta make Will happy. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> all right, just a couple questions. Um now I know a lot of people that train in you know, jiu-jitsu and wrestling, they have their sort of go-to sort of move. So for jiu-jitsu, what were your, some of your favorite sort of techniques? It could be from guard or top or whatever that you were, that you like to do or had a lot of success in. And also what are some techniques that you like to do in wrestling as well? Obviously, you know, a lot of people in wrestling have maybe a good double, a good single or fireman's or I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a wrestling noob. So I don't know too much about wrestling. I had a lot of friends that wrestled. He's wrestle, a nerd, so. man. Shut up, yeah. dude. No, but like, what are some of your favorite techniques in both wrestling and jujitsu, essentially? Um, I think I used to do a drag in jujitsu because it's it's harder in wrestling because you're not wearing a gi. Yeah. So. Who's interrupting? Um, Is that your dad? My mom. Oh, Cindy, what's up, girlfriend? Your wonderful mother, Cindy. Yeah. She's tell, probably tell trying her, to you give you media. a say. You, no, say, mom, I have media obligations. Okay. 
She's dropping off snacks and refreshments yeah. likely, DJ. Yeah, she's going to be on <laughs> at Good Morning America tomorrow. She's got a lot of stuff to do, man. Go ahead, Carissa. But, um, yeah, the drag, I used to do a lot in jiu-jitsu, but it's harder in wrestling now because you're not wearing a gi, so it's harder to grip. But I had a lot of success in that. Um, like in uh, arm drag? You're talking yeah, about arm, arm drag. drag. Okay. Yeah. Um, flower sweep. Oh yeah, the flower, the, the flower, flower sweep. <laughs> That's a good move. From guard. Yeah. And in wrestling, uh, my single leg is my go-to for my takedown. All right. And... So if we have a roll together, I will watch out for your single. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, single leg. Watch out for single leg. Defend the single leg. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> and on top, think a chicken wing. Oh, yeah. You love to run that chicken wing over, right? And then yeah. flatten out, man. I've watched Ooh. the whole – I haven't watched her matches in, since last season, but, yeah, I've watched a lot. Your dad sends me all kinds of matches and stuff of you and Ethan to watch, so it's pretty funny. I'm coming back. Look at the legend, man. She's getting it. So, uh, yeah, if there were a pre- – if, if, if there were a Florida Carissa Qureshi fan club, I would probably be the president of it, I would assume. <laughs> she's, so, she's, like, she's so embarrassed right now all right all right carissa uh t- to take you off the mat first of all um now when i wrestled in high school i can assure you there was no girls and there was no danger of there being any girls so what is the dynamic like between having uh guys and gals on the t- on the wrestling team what's that like um both they both um, wrestle very different. Like guys are, I feel like they're more technical and obviously they're a lot stronger. So you have to wrestle them different, but girls, um, I don't know. They're sometimes I have more trouble with girls than the guys just because of the way they wrestle. They're very flexible. So they're much harder to pin. But well, it's, when, I mean, when I say dynamic, I mean, personality wise, like what is the, do they, do they treat you guys just like regular teammates? Is there a different, like, how do they interact with you in terms of being a teammate? Um, I'm closer to the girls because they're my friends. We hang out. Um, the guys, they <laughs> they're like little wild animals, right? Yeah, they have no brains. <laughs> that means they're like us. They're basically like us three, but younger. It's different. <laughs> so, Carissa, Carissa, when you first when you first started, I saw your dad would send me some matches, or he'd post some matches, and um, being your dad, being your dad, <laughs> he would. Uh, he would have you wrestle some of the boys. I don't know if that was a coach thing or your dad thing or your thing or what, but either way, um, there were some impressive matches where you're beating um, boys. And then when I saw you transition or not transition, but then when I saw you fighting the girls, I was like, Oh my gosh, these girls have no chance. I actually felt sorry. I felt sorry for the girls cause you were abusing them. And then I felt sorry for the boys because at that age, they're basically getting beat by a girl in a, in a competition or tournament. So off the mat, or maybe even during the competition, 
or the 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 match like did you feel any did you feel anything from the boys in terms of i'm not losing to a girl were there any sportsmanship related issues that you had to deal with because they just got pinned or dominated by a girl uh not not often but maybe like once or twice um like they're visibly upset but <laughs> i i don't really say anything like i just shake their hand because i don't want to start anything but um i'm i don't really have any problems with like sportsmanship good so you don't you don't have the move where you kind of pull your singlet to the side a little bit and then you pound on your heart and then no. you point up at the sky. You don't have that move going. No. <laughs> Chest pounding and stuff like okay. <laughs> so the Qureshi kids haven't changed very much. No. They're still the same mild mannered killers and assassins. Yeah, there's no trash talk. There's no trash yeah. talk for this girl. No, I was gonna ask that very question because um, again, I the only thing I can draw on is my own experience wrestling, what it was like on the team. And I can only imagine some of my teammates if they were beaten by a girl. Now, that's 1985. So it was like, I know it was like a million years ago. Carissa probably thinks like the dinosaurs were like hanging out outside my high school. But, uh, but yeah, and I'm really glad that it isn't that way because the fact of the matter is that so many girls are so capable, so strong, all these sorts of things. Um, let me go to Nick and then I've got one more and then we got to get, we got to get Carissa out of here. Um, let's see here. Well, if not, I'll go with my question. I'm locked and loaded, uh, baby. Uh, <laughs> I am too. I have another one. You want me to go? You okay. want me to go? No, no, no. I have, I, not, I have one. I have Will's one. not taking I have my one. place. I'm trying to jump. I'm sorry. This, this will be a, this, I think it's a simple right, one. So, Obviously, you're you're very uh, engrossed in wrestling right now, but in the you know in the future, maybe like after high school or when you're in college and and whatnot, do you see yourself going back to training jujitsu as well, or and kind of doing both? Or yeah, um, college maybe in my free time. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just focusing on wrestling, but yeah, it's definitely something I'll go back to for fun. Okay. And what I was going to ask you, Carissa, is like, what is the dynamic like at school for female wrestlers? Is there, how do people interact with you guys? Are like people scared of you about your, you know, the physical prowess of you and your teammates? How, how do they interact with you uh, as far as your other classmates that are maybe that aren't in the sport? Um. I, I don't really think anything changed. Like um, our team's still pretty small. We have mm, five girls on the wrestling team, but um, yeah, not much has changed. Do girls come up to you and go, "Hey, how come you're doing wrestling, Carissa?" Or do they do they ask you that, or they don't even ask? <laughs> they don't ask you that. That's very probably, interesting. They might be afraid to ask her. Did they, you to uh, ask yeah, they that. are. So, so basically, when you go around school, there's uh, they don't treat you like Carissa the wrestler. Hello, hello. I don't hear you. 
somebody. No, I hear I someone. Lost her. I think we lost her. Carissa, are you still lost there? Her. She's there. She can hear me. The audio's not. Okay. I can't hear her. Okay. Oh, she sounds there we like go. she's plugged back in. Are you there? Hello. There okay. we go. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, you're back. If we can get all this worked out, all this technology. So, Carissa, are you <laughs> are you Carissa the wrestler around school as or are you are you just Carissa? How did how did is there any are you nobody would know or what is it like socially? At our school, wrestling is not that big of a sport, mm-hmm. so not many people really know like what's going on. Um, so I'm not really treated like different, not special, not worse. Okay, well that's good. I like that. It's just it's normal. Okay, yeah. I dig it, man. You're number six in the nation. Put put your microphone close to your face because it won't. There you go. There you go. Testing, testing. Because you, you got to get ready for when you have your own podcast. We're training right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, when you get, you're going to have your own podcast with your homies, man. Or, um, a, college, or a college admissions interview. You could look at it the, the yes. same way. Yes. So the last question that I had for Carissa. So your dad and I spent a lot of time on the bench at Gracie Baja headquarters watching you, your three brothers, my son Kingston, um, Ripley wasn't training yet, but we spent a lot of time on the bench talking about a variety of things, especially you, you kids. And I know that your family is very academically driven, so much where I know that your mom prepares you kids during the summer for the upcoming year. So check this out, DJ and Nick. The summer prior to their academic year coming up, Chris's mom has them go through the curriculum for that year that's coming up. Oh, wow. Crazy, right? That is Very academically driven family. The kids are smart. The kids do really well in school. And so what I'm wondering about is you're probably going to get a lot of opportunities um, through wrestling, right? So you might, and you know, your coaches may have, described this to you before maybe your dad has described this to you before but you make it opportunities on a national level like national organization like potentially representing the u.s um or you could get some college opportunities so i'm wondering about um and maybe for the listeners who might not know and maybe you can share i'm I'm sure your dad's doing the research and he's sharing with you or maybe your coaches are what are some opportunities that girls have with respect to college and, you know, wrestling in college and, you know, um, being able to wrestle and concentrate on their academics? I don't hear her. Oh, you got to plug it in. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah now, there you go. You just can put, put the, the microphone, microphone close. to your face. Yeah. Yeah, and then plug it back in again. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you going to school on Zoom? I'm gonna, I'm gonna sue your dad for this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Koresh, you hold that thing in there. 
Got the yes. loose end. Yeah, oh, there we go. There we go. Now we got She's you. back. Now we got you. All right, Kureshi. All right, did you hear anything he, that that ten minute question about college? Basically, let me summarize. What do you do? You have opportunities to go wrestle in college, and if so, would it where? What what have you heard? Um, uh, I heard that Columbia was looking to get um women's D one women's wrestling, and fortunately, Stanford dropped their wrestling program. But what? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of colleges still that have, are looking for women's wrestling, so that's good, but. All right. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I like the sound of Columbia. I could see you in New York City, girlfriend, doing your thing, being cosmopolitan Carissa up in NYC, just like Marcellus Wiley. What's up? All right, so Carissa. <laughs> Number six in the nation, talk to me. And that's what that's the last question. And then that's a wrap. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Good. <laughs> um, sorry, it cut out for a second. Yeah. Are you are you are you overwhelmed? Are you like, wow, this is cool? Or are you like, hey mom, what's for dinner? Uh, well, I didn't know at first. Um until like I checked the group chat and there's a picture and I was like, wow, but it doesn't feel like you don't feel special. It's not like when I placed that state, I I thought before it was going to be like something like amazing, but like, you feel good. You feel accomplished. But, but I mean, on to the next, right? Yeah. On to the who's next, man. Are you still playing piano? No. <laughs> no? Oh, no, I man. quit um, a couple years ago, I think. Okay. Well, she's too busy smashing food. <laughs> she's, too, she's too busy, busy just smashing girls destroying the people. Mat, <laughs> Speaking of destroying people, do you have any sort of maybe, I don't know, methods or rituals or sort of things you do prior to getting into the right mindset in going into a tournament or competition do you have to you're one of those people that have to sort of maybe flip the switch or kind of get yourself in the right mindset or do you kind of just relax and just kind of all right i'm good and just do your thing what's uh, your approach yeah i don't i don't like being too serious at a tournament and like overthinking anything uh, i don't listen to music because i just i just want to clear my head so i just i usually just stretch watch other matches before I go up make sure I'm warm all right and okay. uh, we got to get you out of here because you probably have studying to do the most important thing I can ask you right now is two things one who is your favorite band or artist musically I, I don't know <laughs> I don't really listen to music uh, I mean I just listen to whatever's on the radio <laughs> Too busy smashing foods, DJ. She's hold on, hold on. I have to do some breathing. <laughs> it's very important that you find a favorite rock band and then have your dad call me <laughs> and tell me, okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right, Carissa, uh, I hope you can come back uh, and talk to us about wrestling or MMA or something sometime. And just because we need someone that's like intelligent here. I mean, look at this group. This is ridiculous, you know. You've yeah. actually brought some class to this podcast, okay? 
All right. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. It's really good to have you. Uh, I missed you. It's been uh, probably three years since I've been there. So uh, take care, and we'll have you on again sometime. All right? All right. Carissa. Carissa Koreshi, ladies and gentlemen. Peace out. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And what a monster, man. How about that, man? Like silent killer. Like, man, just she almost reminds me like, uh, what's her face? The MMA fighter. Um, God, I can't think of her name right now. Can't think of her name right now. Rose? Not Rose. Not Rose. Um, the Scottish girl. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Joe. She reminds me of Joe, Joe. Okay. Calderwood. Yeah. Like <laughs> very like meek. Not really meek, but like kind of chill, chill personality. But you're number six in the nation. You will kill her. You will. You will. She a beast. Dude, she's a. So. She, yeah, she's a total monster. Will. And I had the pleasure of watching her, and she's so matter of fact. And her brother Ethan, I would venture to say it's pretty much the same approach. Would you agree with that, Will? Yeah, the kids are generally the same way. They're pretty soft spoken. Yeah, I think the younger twins are a little bit more rambunctious just because they're younger. They're boys. They're twins, but they're very soft spoken, very intelligent, very academically driven, and it's kind of by the way they're killers on the mat, whether it be jujitsu or wrestling. Um, and their, their, their demeanor has always been very open for instruction and they, they don't glow. Those kids don't glow. No. I think one of the things that stands out is, you know, in this freaking McGregor era of self-promotion in fight sports, um, you see it, uh, trickling down at all different levels. I don't know so much wrestling, but you see it in jujitsu, right? You see it in the kids, they win a match. They're opening up their geese and they have whatever, yeah. something printed in their geese. Yeah. yeah. They would get their gold medals, shake the hands of the coaches and their, and their um, competitors and leave and get ready for the next gold medal that they're going to win the next week. Yeah. And it was really, like, I'm out, man. Yeah. Out. It's really, it's really what you want. It's really what you want to see um, in kids and developing this type of skill. That's cool. How long did, uh, both her and her brother trained jiu-jitsu prior to going into wrestling. Oh, like, wow. what, three years, uh, four years? More, I would say more. Uh, I was there three years, and they trained longer than that. Okay. So, yeah, my, I mean, they've my, got five years at least, right? Yeah, my son started when he was four and a half. He's 11 now. And then they started training right at about the same time, or at least within the same year-ish. Um, no more than a year. So probably that's two years from now. So that's probably like, let's say it's nine. That's like five years, probably five years of jujitsu. Yeah, yeah I, at least. Yeah, I would say so. They're, they were, I mean, and they were competing like every weekend. I mean, oh, okay. yeah, yeah so their they were... father would drive them around to compete. He, he really was able to engineer the attitude that it took to be able to be good. They went to a re- uh, them and what the price children went to yeah. uh, some wrestling camps. That was be like a one week or so camp. They did that. I think two years in a row, but it's nothing, you know, I mean, then they'd go back on the mat and they'd still pull guard and all that. But then once uh, they got to high school, she was in eighth or something, or she was in ninth. I, I can't remember how it broke down, but last year was her first season and the brother's second season. He was named Wrestler of the Year his freshman year. 
uh, Ethan, the elder brother, uh, because of his work ethic and just his leadership and his attitude just being so chill. So they're both very the same. And I just said, Riz, man, I said, you know, these kids could, could definitely get college scholarships. And he's like, to, to wrestle. And this was like, you know, a few, mat, you know, halfway through the first season. And he's like, yeah, I'm saying, dude, 100%. And then Will and I talked about it, you know. It's a matter of if they can find a school academically that matches up with that also has wrestling. Especially yeah, her, her dad and I, you know, we had a lot of hours on the bench together. And a lot of the topics that we came up with were like, what are we doing with our kids? How are we helping nurture and develop our kids? And oftentimes what will come up is, you know, the city that we live in, it's very academically driven. There are a lot of academically driven families. So all the time, a lot of the discussions all about how do you best prepare your kids to get them in the best college that you can. Um, and knowing that academics is baseline in this city. Um, so it's kind of like, how, how, how are you developing them in a way that can make them more attractive um, for college admissions? while also building the, who they are as people. And you, everybody knows that jujitsu is really good with that. Wrestling is really good with that in terms of discipline, hard work, those types of things. And then if we could help get you into college where you're beating out someone else who has a 4.35, you have a 4.35, but you're also the top 10 wrestler in the nation, then you have an, then you have an advantage oh, yeah. to get yeah. right to the school. And so we, we, spoke, we spoke a lot about that. And, um, you know, the, the, the thing that sucks on the jiu-jitsu side is, is, well, the thing that's a great thing is jiu-jitsu is something that you could do throughout, throughout life, right? You can train when you're older or whatever. But for money, we're talking about for, for, yeah. for achievement. But if you, want, if, you're, if you have a kid that's growing up and you're really aiming them towards an elite school or you're aiming them towards um, a scholarship, there is no, there aren't any opportunities like that in jujitsu, unfortunately. Um, his kids were really talented in jujitsu, but how can they translate that or how can they translate grappling into something that can help them also academically or to get in a really good academic school? And so that's the most natural transition, right? That's a better transition than saying they, the kids swam too competitively or they swam a lot. So it's a lot more easy. It's a lot easier for them to go, okay, we're going to stop jujitsu and do wrestling rather than we're going to stop jujitsu and do swimming or basketball or football. Um, you know, and her dad and I talked about, you know, her dad, her dad is shorter than I am. <laughs> so when we, you talk about physical attributes that your kids are going to get, and you talk about sports that are appropriate based on appropriate competitively at an elite level, um, volleyball, basketball, football, baseball, softball, those aren't going to be the sports for them because they're not going to be competitive at an elite level. Unless but you're things like Clyde Edwards, Alaire. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a, you're an outlier, yeah, you're the point zero zero one percent. Yeah. And then you have to have a little bit of luck too. Yeah. And so our conversations were, were largely about how can we put our kids in these sporting activities where it provides them the greatest level of success. And so based on those types of things, they're really interesting, fun conversations. For me, from my perspective, it's really nice to see based on those conversations and 
what uh, Ethan and Carissa are doing now. The twins aren't in high school yet. I think they're in seventh grade right now. But it's fun to see those conversations and how they're emerging or how how well they're doing and the opportunities that they're both going to have. Not only from a wrestling standpoint, you know what happens when you're really good in sports. All of a sudden you get to travel nationally. All of a sudden you get to travel worldwide. Oh, and by the way, you might be able to get into a college that you probably would not have gotten into before when she talks about Columbia being, being an Ivy. Um, so it provides a lot of cool opportunities from that standpoint. And for me, it's really gratifying um, to be able to see them, a lot of these things coming to fruition. And so who, who we're talking about here is a couple of, we kind of like think of them like twins, like Zan and Jaina, but they're not. Uh, Ethan's older by at least a year, uh, but it's Ethan and Carissa Qureshi, two absolutely uh, amazing athletes, but also kids because I went and watched them both play violin at recitals. I watched them both play piano along with their younger brothers and they, then they would go on the mat and just destroy people and shake their hand and give them a hug after and all that. Uh, they're really, really super academically uh, talented or driven kids, but they're just really, really sweet people. Very, very unassuming. They're really role model-esque. And Carissa now, with one year of wrestling under her belt, and Will alluded to this early in the show, was wrestling, I think her father said the average of the top 10 girls there was like 10 years of wrestling. Mm. Carissa, with one year of wrestling, That's nuts. wrestled the girl who won the entire tournament, the number one seed, the number one in the nation. She lost to her seven to one or something like that. I can't remember. And then she ran off six wins in a row after that and ended up, and now she's ranked number six it would have been different had she, perhaps she not <laughs> wrestled that girl first but you know so on yeah so the whole story is really cool it's like uh you have uh cindy and riz the parents who are i mean they might be first or second generation mm-hmm. right in this country um pakistani and chinese pakistani and chinese mm-hmm. um and they've done a really good job with how they structure their family environment right? yes. you work hard you work hard in academics you work hard in the activities that you do um and you be humble about it and then it's just really nice to see that kind of that kind of setup going on and the successes and that they're having thus far it really is i it you really I I, good, I, go ahead good Nick, indication sorry. sorry i think it's just a good indication of i think competent like when sort of kids are into or sort of compete in these sort of competitions as far as like grappling with jiu-jitsu competitions and how that could sort of develop them into, you know, their successes as being maybe, you know, their, their work, their uh, work ethic might be, you know, obviously might be enhanced from competing every week. I mean, if you compete every week in something like intense like that, I mean, it could definitely shape you and everything. And obviously, yeah. You bring up an excellent, excellent point, Nick, because, you know, DJ had alluded to 
there for a while they were competing every weekend in jujitsu tournaments. The Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, that's intense, man. the whole Malcolm Gladwell thing, right? No, 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 no. The ten thousand hours. No, 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 no. Let's not mention him. Yeah, he just bastardized. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's Sorry. not mention that. Uh, Sorry. Um, but I was gonna say, for a while, there is a group of families at Gracie Baja headquarters that were going every single weekend to competitions, and DJ was there, help assisting, coaching, right, with the other, mm-hmm. uh, with a, with the other, their two main instructors, uh, Brian Land and Rod Quevedo, but Brian eventually left, and it was just Rod, and then DJ, and then some other assistant coaches. I would go like to tournaments and stuff. And stuff on go the to tournaments and all that. Yeah. But you think about that experience in terms of the preparation and then going on and then you're wrestling. So the experience of competing, which is basically a combat sport, it's very translatable, not in terms of the actual technique, but I have a, I have an opponent in front of me, right? How People am I gonna- watching? How am I going to deal with game plan? Yeah. How am I going to deal with technique? Does that all go out the door, right? What do I do? How do I deal with those sorts of things? And so they're very, very prepared because they've had so many data points, so much experience at the competitive level in jujitsu um, to be able to do that. So I think that them being overwhelmed or overwhelmed by the competitive part of tournaments or wrestling tournaments. I don't. I think that was a super easy transition, just because they ha- they had competed so much with jujitsu. I think it's a really good point that you bring up, Nick. Right? Is is it was an easy, comfortable environment for them, something that they had been used to. Yeah, because you said they competed every week. I mean, it's one thing it's to true. compete every week compared Pretty to much. just not competing at all. Like I barely competed in jujitsu. I competed twice as a white belt and I got my butt kicked. That's it. That's my, that's my competition for you. <laughs> so but like, you know, is there, is there, there's a big difference between, you know, training for five years, not competing at all and just kind of rolling with your normal training partners and then actually stepping on the mat, a foreign place in a, you know, in a, in a venue you've never been to before against someone you've never seen before from a different school and then, locking it up and well, going let, for it. let's be clear. A lot of kids I <clears throat> saw at those tournaments every weekend, but not all of them are as good as Ethan and Carissa. Um, yeah. I mean, so, they were, yeah, yeah. it was not like gold that. after gold yeah, after yeah. gold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So is that a really high level? They're just not participating. Yeah. Um, it's not they're just participating, yeah. competing and winning. Um, so I, you're right. I got, that. I got a quick story and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll end it on this. I remember going to Long Beach to a kid's, I don't know if it was a kid's world or kid's pants or something like that, but it was at that, that big, that pyramid in, in Long Beach, right? It's probably and pan kids, pan it, kids. It's in a sense, kids worlds. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I went to that and there was a young man there from uh, what's your rival Academy in Newport. Uh, the Mendez Mason? brothers. Oh, um, AOJ, yeah. AOJ. There was a young man named Saul and his father. I didn't want to tell you the guy's last name because it, it might it might make you hurt. But I remember that uh, in the bracket, um, he was matched up with Ethan. And all the father comes over to the corral after the kids. Hey, hey, go ask Ethan what his weight is. Okay. So he goes up to Ethan. He asks him his weight. And then he goes, says, uh, you're not wrestling him. He ended up like going up into the stands and doing a belt promotion before the kid had a match 
to reseed him into a different group. What? To, to, I swear. Oh my swear, gosh. I was in attendance. This happened. That's they ridiculous. They promoted him to orange belt or whatever. I don't know. So he wouldn't orange. compete against Ethan. So he wouldn't <laughs> compete against Ethan because they saw Ethan. He His father saw Ethan. He was intimidated. Now, this is a young man who's homeschooled now. So this isn't even a, a young man who uh, had the benefit of going to school like his whole life was, was being built around jiu-jitsu, which I think is ridiculous and stupid uh, because you want kids to go to school and learn and interact with other kids. You're not talking about Ethan. You're talking about the other kid that's homeschooled. Yes, yes. This, this young man who I feel, as I say, I feel bad for what happened. But – yeah, they want, and and Riz would never even think of doing anything like that. He would yeah. say, "You go out there and you you compete, and if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose." He's not going to say, "Oh, well, we can't." You know, the sponsors and all this kind of. I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, I can't believe this is happening right now. You're literally promoting this kid when he's getting ready to go to the mat. He's in the corral because you don't want him to go against Ethan. That's how dumb some of these parents are. Well, so it's a really, it's a really our special kids because our father didn't do anything stupid yeah. like that. It's and a it's class. a really, it's a really interesting culture too, because we would have kids that trained at our academy that would move on to other academies. And you have pictures of these kids with belts at our academy. And it's like years later or some long amount of time later, you have another picture of them and they're, they're a, they're a, they're a level lower in belt. Right. So kids have all these different mm -hmm. like gray belt is like oh, they gray would, white, oh, they solid gray, love, gray yeah. black. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have you have kids that wait, wait, you would say, wait a minute, you left the academy and you're like, say, gray black. And then now you're competing a year later and you're competing as a gray white That's belt, great. which is the yeah. lowest level gray belt compared to the highest level sandbagging. <laughs> yeah. So you have that stuff going on in that culture. And like, you know, it's a all all parents get caught up in ultra competitive high level sports, right? It doesn't just happen in jujitsu. It happens in all the other sports, but it's a fascinating to see the rat race from an app. If you just take a step back, it's fascinating to see the things that DJ just described where you have these, I don't know, ethics and morals to do that type of thing. And, and your kids are observing it. Your kids are learning. Right, you might not be saying things to your kids, but the kids see what's going on. That They're kid being, knows. He knows yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, you know that's like the negative side of sports. But I think one of the one of the reasons why TJ brings it up is because we're talking about a group of kids who like are doing it the right way. They study hard. They do well. They work hard in what they do, and they do well. And they train hard. It's not like they train once or twice a week. They train hard. Right. They work hard for it. And it's really, it's a really good story to see, you know, the effort and the amount of work that she's put in and be ranked the number six girl in her weight class in the nation. And then DJ uh, saw this too, is she's the only girl amongst three boys. And I saw it. I don't necessarily, I maybe DJ saw it too, but um, you know, they're, Ethan was winning a lot. He's the older son and he was winning a lot. And I remember sitting down um, and I actually told Riz, Riz this. I said, I think Chris is going to be the most decorated grappler in the family, right? Because of what I saw and the opportunities that she has. Um, 
with how things are working out for women's sports right now. Um, and I think he's kind of saying that he's not seeing that right now. Yeah, she's she, you know, um, it's not grading on the curve because first of all, she has almost no experience in this particular discipline of grappling. She only has one year. And second of all, all the other girls are the same. So for Ethan, the brackets he's trying to go through, uh, Riz told me there was something like 70 people in his bracket. He made it to like the top 16 or something, which is amazing. Ethan is amazing. It's just that Carissa Carissa has a, um, I guess you could say she has an easier road, but really she doesn't. Because a lot of those girls, when she was doing, when she was training jujitsu, they were training wrestling. So, so I, I think she's just, yeah, she's just that much better than the, than the competition. And for the guys, obviously, you know, it's like, you know, guys MMA. If, if we can, it's almost like a direct correlation. The best, uh, the, when you, when you step away from like the number one girls, like an Amanda Nunes, or and we can actually circle back to MMA here, or a Valentina Shevchenko. And the number two, three, four, five girls, there's a big jump there. There's not as big a jump, for example, from, um, you know, Davison Figueredo at 125. And yeah. perhaps, uh, you know, Formiga beat him and he's like number four or five, you know. Or so, Bantamweight, you have Jan. Bantamweight, Jan, yeah. You have Peter Jan and you have Sterling, you have Sanhagen now, you have... Marlon Marais, TJ's coming back. I mean, yeah. all those guys are like. So yeah, it's much. It, it, that is very analogous to wrestling, I would say. So the only outliers you have there are guys like John Jones, who are just, you know, so uh, overwhelmingly brilliant and gifted in MMA. But uh, but other than in the that, ring, in the ring, in the ring, yeah. Well, or in the sorry, in the cage, yeah. in the cage. And now <laughs> now uh, now I just saw where Mike Winklejohn is saying that. John Jones is better at every aspect of MMA than uh, Stipe is. So I'm like, I'm like, really, I'm really, Mike. Are you just noticing that now? Because we all noticed that uh, when Stipe came in the sport. Because there isn't anybody's gifted in MMA as John Jones is. So uh, yeah, of course he's better at every aspect uh, than Stipe is. Yeah, it's but, like saying that about LeBron in basketball, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It almost, no duh. Yeah, yes, it would be like saying that. Yeah, LeBron's better at everything, but uh, but when you look at, I don't know what it is, but for some reason they don't want Adesanya. It. Do you get that? Something vibe, about Nick? I don't know. Something about Adesanya that they, they they think their risk risk and reward. Maybe maybe is there a higher higher uh, capacity for Jones to lose? Not to say he will lose, but maybe the, the percentages are a little higher than they like them to be. I mean, you've always said DJ that they like to, you know, the pros and cons of of the situation, the matchup, like the Chael Sonnen last minute matchup. John Jones didn't take oh it. His coaches were adamant for him not to take it. John Jones obviously wanted to take it. He's like, I would have took it, but my coaches were like, no. no, don't take it, don't yeah. take it, right? We don't know. We we don't That's know he, the answer to that question is we don't know if Johns wanted it, if Jones wanted to take it we know yeah. that they didn't take it and they didn't that take they it canceled UFC yeah. 151 because John wouldn't fight Chael coming off the bench with no camp on like nine days notice or eleven days Chael was a middleweight too he was a middleweight yes. 
as well. And I'm like, what do you, and everyone's like, oh, great job, Greg, protecting this fighter. John doesn't need it. No, you should save a card. If that was Conor McGregor, he would have said, bring his ass in here and I'll send him out the way he came in. That's how you do this thing. Instead, they canceled the whole card. Nobody got paid. None of the vendors got paid. None of the ticket people. None of the ushers. None of the security. Nobody got paid because John didn't want to fight Chael on 11 days notice. And so then, so just... then, so then what happens? He fights Chael and he destroys him in like a round. Done. Over. It's just, just more. I know, I know, I know. But it's important. I know this is a tangent. Nick is typing me. This is a tangent. And it is. But I think when, when, with John and Greg and Mike, yes, they're risk averse. Yes, they lie incessantly. So you really can't trust anything that they do say. And all I know is the result. The result is, is that they didn't have that card. But John is the oh, most gifted fighter. Yeah. I'm sorry. The reason I bring that up is, yeah, they're, they're a risk-reward type of um, they're risk camp. They're risk-adverse. Risk-adverse. Sure. Yeah, risk-adverse type of camp or they, they weigh in everything. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe Israel Asanya, they just – They don't like it. Not right now. They don't like it. You know, just, hey, if he goes up to heavyweight, beats Stipe, and boom. Maybe beats uh, Francis Ngannou, and hey, there you go. Good. Then Will Wu. You're the coach manager of John Jones. Do you take the Adesanya fight? Hey, man, my philosophy, as you guys, I'm listening to you guys talk about how his coaches are quote unquote protecting him. That is the philosophy that I would take too. Okay, so you're his manager right now. Yeah. You would say, and I, I'm, I'm Sean Shelby, and I call and go, Willie, what's up, brother? Look, we want to book John <laughs> against Izzy. At the UFC on July 6th in Vegas. What say you, my friend? Yeah, I don't I don't know what their internal discussions are, what they don't like about Izzy. I don't know what they are. But let's assume hypothetically that there's something that scares the bejesus out of me. Or maybe not even scares. I won't that concerns me that will open up some type of risk for a loss. I'm gonna say not right now. Because then what I'm going to do, I was going to say, it might not be right now when whatever I, I, I've identified that concerns me, we're going to address that and we're going to train that. And then after I've seen that as trained for, then I'll go, okay, now we're ready. That's the approach that I would take. That's smart. I think it's, I think there's a machismo component, a warrior component, uh, as it should be because this is a fighting sport, the ultimate fight sport. But I think that you should blend that in with some serious strategy and forecasting of how things are going to pan out. Forecast this, my friend. Paul Felder has stepped up on Ooh, less than a week's notice to take yeah. on your training partner, Rafael Dos No, I've never <laughs> trained with him. Never trained with him. You have stepped on the same mat as he has. Philippe doesn't put white belts with <laughs> UFC champions. He okay. doesn't do that. All right. Uh, your your so teammate. I, your teammate. I saw I saw that. I saw that switch in the first thing. Um, other guys from the academy had texted me about that switch. And my first impression was that's really good for RDA. Because Islam is oh a God. 
beast. Oh, he's a yeah. beast. And you look at the, like, if you look at the AKA training video that's coming out or that, that come out in their interviews and just their, their side conversations that they have, Islam is like the next dude that they're talking about. They say, I mean, DC was talking about this. They say Islam beats everybody in wrestling, right? In that, in that gym, Islam is the dude. And so I was just like, oh, that's really good for RDA because he wants another contract, a UFC contract, at least through, this is not, this is not through special information that I get. This is just through uh, his interviews Mm -hmm. that are, available online but he wants so another not contract from professor mike i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah he wants another contract and he's been he's had what did you guys say four out of the last four out of four losses out of the last five fights seven or something or like so, that? no it was like seven or so something like that okay so the win loss record in the last seven fights is below 500 i'll check and so if you look at that so it, it actually sets up pretty well for rda which i'm happy yeah. which i'm happy for i'm bummed because I'd love to see Islam fight. He's, in my opinion, what they do, what those Dagestanis do um, with that, their Sambo wrestling, judo, you know, DJ and I have had this conversation. We shouldn't be calling it wrestling. We should say takedowns because that's more umbrella term for what they do. I think re- just to say they're good wrestlers is not a good description of what they do inside that cage. Uh, but I think that's the, their style that's the future. That's the future of, or that's, no, I don't want to say that's, that's not the future. That's the blueprint of how you win a lot in, in MMA. Four out of the last six. Um, He's lost four out of the last six. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And so I would, I just wanted to see Islam fight. I I love their fighting styles. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see that. Uh, But Felder is, is no, you know, Rafael is probably going to want to, try to get this fight to the ground because I would not want to stand as good as Rafael is on his feet. I wouldn't want to stand with Paul Felder. I agree with you, DJ. Mm-hmm. He should get it to the ground, but who's the head coach? Oh, Jason, Jason. We're and Nick, we're back to Jason. Perillo. Perillo. All roads lead to Jason Perillo, man. It's like, I mean, yeah. I was watching a bit of, um, Felder versus Hooker, and Hooker mm-hmm. was kind of keeping it. I, I I just watched the first round recently, and Hooker was kind of keeping him at, at bay with the distance, throwing some calf kicks and everything. But I think um, what Dos Dosanos has a maybe similar reach to Felder. They're kind of built the same. I think the, obviously Dosanos isn't as uh, lanky and long yeah. as a, a Felder or um, a Hooker. Oh no, but. I, I think it's a. I think it'll be a good, good striking. I, I see it being a striking match. I don't think Del Sinos is gonna try to. He'll 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 try to mix it up. He always tries to mix it up, but he's not gonna predominantly go for a takedown and sort of jujitsu ground and pound type of thing because he's not that fighter anymore. He used to be, I think, when he first. He was a pretty good wrestler. Um, at yeah, some, he, when with certain strikers, he could take him down. Yeah, I he's just got solid takedowns. I just rewatched the RDA Khabib fight. And how good RDA's defensive jiu-jitsu was. Very good. That thing went the distance. Man, that ridiculous, right? And we've seen what Khabib yeah. has done to people when they get them on the ground. Like his defensive jiu-jitsu was just ridiculous in that fight. So uh, just to, I want to put this in context. We're talking about a guy here who has, we just said, lost four out of the last six. Okay. 
Uh, I want to read you guys some of these names. Michael Chiesa, Leon Edwards, Kevin Lee, Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler, Neil Magny, one of the great leg kickers in probably the last five years, in M 10 years in MMA, Tarek Safadine, Tony Ferguson, Eddie Alvarez, Donald Cerrone. I mean, I, I have just read you guys <laughs> some of the greatest Lightweights MMA and fighters in the history of the sport at two weight classes that this guy has fought. <laughs> so this guy that we're talking about now, who has lost four out of the last six, who's a very, very kind and friendly person were you to meet him, is one of the baddest, toughest people oh gosh. on the planet Earth. Without a I doubt. I assure you, with four out of six losses at his weight, he is one of the toughest people on planet Earth. We didn't even get to Khabib out of those names. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get that far because we still would have had to go through. I, I could keep going. Anthony Pettis, Nathan Diaz, yeah. Benson Henderson. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Donald and Cerrone he again. Evan Dunham. Mark yeah. Bocek, who was uh, like called the Canadian Hicks and Gracie, and Khabib. Oh this, my God. you list off all those names. Oh, you ridiculous. have some win. You have a lot of wins in there. You have some losses, but the name that's missing from that list that I think is a travesty when you list those names that's not included in there is Conor McGregor. When he was supposed, he they were supposed to fight, right? I read Panty Night, missed right? it. <laughs> just just before, just before. So, I mean, I don't know if people forget about this, but we got Nate D. The Nate Diaz one and two because RDA breaks his foot in training. Yeah. And if you go look at that RDA Nate Diaz fight, he just mows oh. through Diaz. Oh, he smacked him around. Well, he leg kicked him into. I think. Oh I my gosh! There. I was there that night. It was in you, uh, Arizona. At where he was in that point of his career, that's a fight that we missed out on due to injury. That is so so unfortunate. From the list, right, that you bring up, from that list, from what I thought would be a potential win, and moreover to that for RDA personally, the income that he missed out on with that comes with a McGregor. Well, fight. I, I, I think in aggregate now he has made back whatever he would have won on that because McGregor was going to dominate. He was going to get most of the money. I don't think RDA was going to get the cut. I mean, he would have gotten some like a Nick Diaz money. cut. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was going to get the kind of money that he deserved. And quite frankly, at this point, I doubt he was going to be, I think Connor, we undervalued Connor at the time. And I'm not, sure that he would have out that he would have beaten connor but uh fair I enough don't know. what do you say what i'll you say this though say um dos Anjos destroys felder i love felder but say he looks great and then this is his first fight back at 155 mm -hmm. so i mean if he destroys felder and looks great i think he stacks up pretty good against who's the top five right now i mean you have what you have tony which tony whooped his butt tony worked him but i mean you have tony you have i mean you have chandler if chandler pans out to be pretty good you have i mean obviously hooker is probably the top five 
Gagey, wait a Gagey, wait a minute. Los Angeles you're, fight. You're, you're talking about 155. He's fighting yeah, this 170. Is yeah. He's fighting this at is, No, this is 55. This is 55. No, it's not. It's 55. He's fighting at 55? Oh, he's going down? Yes. Yes. Oh, I thought he he's, was done with that's that. That's why Felder took the fight. No, really? he went. he's going down to 55. Yeah. Oh, that's gosh. why it was a big wow. deal for Felder because Felder's like, oh, like Felder's training a triathlon or whatever. He's trying to do an Ironman in like March. So Felder said he's the lightest he's been in like forever, like for fight camp or whatever. Compared to if he was in a fight camp, Felder said he was super light. So. So what, he's cutting to 155. Nick is bringing the news, baby. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that. I thought you guys knew that. Yeah. That's yeah. why he's the ninja assassin, DJ. At East Thrash, a <laughs> Japanese reference. I, we need more Japanese references on this thing. All right. I, love that, I did not know that. that I, does yeah. that change the game for you at 155, DJ? Dude, uh, that is really, really interesting. Um... He could potentially be I, a contender with the win. Well, he's a contender. He's a contender now. He's a contender at either division. That's not the. That's not the question. He's a yeah, but I think the his chances are better at fifty-five. In my compared to all these beast wrestlers at seventy, I think he's got a better chance at, at fighting or getting that's the title at fifty-five. Okay, so we just figured out that Will is smarter than both of us. Uh, excuse me. No, Nick. Nick, Nick. Nick is smarter than both of <laughs> yeah. us. And your Asian's mistaken. Come on, man. <laughs> we all we all look we all look alike to we him. All look alike. I get it. I we get it. Alike, man. <laughs> that's really fascinating uh, because that's great. Yeah. Oh, you guys knew. That's no, really fascinating. No. I, you know, from the information that I got, he hated, like the weight cut. Hated the weight cut. He I mean, who it. likes a weight cut? But the intensity of hate. Um for that weight cut he didn't he didn't like it at all he got really big at one point and it was you could tell like he was getting that of uh, that kind of man weight and he just it, it became uh almost impossible you know he was suffering a lot just like khabib you guys saw khabib for this cut that was terrible man you know that's just not a thing khabib khabib would need to really be at 165 pounds and probably dos Anjos as well uh but well, feller said that do it he used to be one nine over one ninety. Oh, he could big, yeah. You could see I was his like, head. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness, yeah. When, when one ninety, yeah. When RDA is not training for a fight, it looks like big he's man. walking around over two ten. I could yeah, be wrong, man. but it's like, yeah, he's a big dude. Good um, Lord. like thick. He's just like, yeah. I met the guy. I, I remember just he, he put his hands around me. I felt his lats. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's about to. Oh, play. dude, you look at like his, you look at like his hands and his feet, and you go, oh my gosh he throws those at people and they're just like so big and like, they're just like clubs. Yeah. One of the baddest people on the planet, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We got to, we got to wrap it up because I'm pretty sure we can do this for most of the night uh, because we didn't even talk about Connor and Poirier yet. Uh, Uh, We don't need to. Yeah. (laughs) That's not even, it's somewhat official. Not really. Is that an exhibition (laughs) for charity? Oh my God, Dana's lawyer. There is going to be. I I said that was ridiculous from the get go. That was never going to happen. Uh, Dana would have the friggin' Irish police surrounding that place. Uh, but anyway, um, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, I just really enjoy the hell out of talking to you two guys. Um, do you have any parting shots, uh, Will? No. <laughs> I mean. I- I already talked too much. How can I have? I mean, I've like exhausted myself. Ran out of work. Count is out. 
going on because <laughs> past the limit all right all right then let's sign off here all right so uh on twitter on instagram you could find her at carissa koreshi if you want to follow her and her wrestling career on instagram she's not on twitter yet but just give me some time we'll get her on twitter uh, she doesn't want to. She does not want to be part of that Twitter. Twitter's a little. No, it's toxic. Oh, oh it's man. so she's bad. So funny. She's so unassuming. She's the Chinese Pakistani assassin. She is, man. She is Steve Brown, girlfriend. Uh, on Twitter, you could find him at Doctor Will Wu. W i l l w u. You can find me, but don't. Gentlemen, at don't eats, do it. At eats thrash, and I want you to think of thrash metal. Okay, that's what I want you to conjure in your mind. And of course, we are collectively at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life. It's been fun, boys. Any Good positive one. or negative comments, you can give them to DJ or Nick. On yes. Twitter. Oh, oh, yeah. At once again. Uh, MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life at gmail.com. If you want to say anything really negative about me, uh, it'll be awesome. And uh, we will, we will be back next week with a little bit more buffoonery for you guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. So for Dr. Will Wu and the heavy metal bass player, Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying peace out one love and we'll see you down the road. I can't believe you guys didn't 